Right. Take your Bibles, if you will, the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 16 this morning. Leviticus chapter number 16. And uh, I'd really love to preach several chapters to you. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I'd like to go all the way back to chapter 13 to give you some, uh, maybe even farther back than that. But uh, the book of Leviticus is one of those books while you're returning. Uh, if you're not careful, you'll skim through it quickly when you're reading that. Uh, it deals a lot with the law, everything. For example, chapter 13 deals on what to do uh, if a man has leprosy. And if you're not careful, you'll skip through that and think it doesn't apply to us. But uh, understanding uh, the New Testament, understanding the dispensation of grace, you look back and see beautiful pictures and types within the law. And that's what I want to do this morning, uh, is draw a comparison, not a comparison, but a, uh, almost a picture, a type, uh, from chapter 16 and I'm only going to read about 10 verses if you let me this morning I know that's quite a bit let me read the first 10 verses I'll not preach those verses but let me read them to you for context then I'd like to preach from verse 11 to about verse 26 somewhere in there but I'll go rather quickly I promise alright if you find your place you can't able to stand with me in Leviticus 16 Verse number one, if you can't go stand with us, I'll read several verses. If you can't stand, I understand that this morning. Uh, but read from verse one to about verse 10. The Bible said the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil, before the mercy seat which is upon the ark that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Notice verse 3. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle. With a linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. He shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fell be scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I should do love you. Lord, I thank you for what we felt already this morning. Thank you for your sweet presence. Lord, I pray to meet with us just for a little while this morning. Lord, you know my heart. I have no preaching me. Lord, I pray give me unction, give me utterance. Only comes from you. Lord, I don't know the hearts, I don't know all the needs this morning, but Lord, I'm glad that you do. Lord, no doubt in the crowd this size there'd be one lost and done without you. Lord, I pray you speak to their heart this morning. Lord, I pray you convict them, show them the fact they're a sinner. Lord, I pray you show them the need of a Savior. Save them, because they're lasting too late. We'll be careful this morning. Give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You be seated. And thank you for standing with us this morning. Now, 
Leviticus 16, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Leviticus, especially, but even uh, somewhat within the Old Testament. It is, Michelle, a beautiful picture of Calvary. We'll see that as we go forward. But I want to make a few, things, make a few statements uh, uh, about the, those of you who've been here on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. We've been looking at uh, how to study your Bible and we look at context. And uh, oftentimes when you look at the context of a portion of Scripture, you'll find that uh, while it does help understand that portion, uh, you also see a few nuggets now and then as well. Now, you don't have to turn. I'm not going to read it to you. You can study it for yourself. But, of course, chapter 16 has a chapter before and after. And it's interesting, Leona, when you study those two chapters, the book of Leviticus very much dealing with the law, very much dealing with sin, very much dealing with sickness and how the priest is the, the book of Leviticus. It's about the Levitical priesthood. And Michelle is very much talking about the duties and the offices of the priest. And uh, in chapter 15, uh, the Lord gives instruction concerning private sins, we could say. In fact, let me say it like this. It's almost no in chapter 15. Uh, dealing with the sexual sins of the people, dealing with things such as fornication and adultery and those types of things, and what the job of the priest was concerning these private sins, these sins that uh, I actually had in my notes, but I was thinking Brother Kenny was teaching that I said it was those things that Kenny, we wouldn't want anybody else to know about, but I don't know if that's the case anymore. I don't yeah. know if there is any. Uh, any uh, uh, embarrassment about right. these private sins. It yeah. seems we're not really embarrassed, we promote it. And yeah. Not only yeah. in the world, but even amongst the church at times. It yeah. seems that we promote these things that Elaine very short amount of time ago would have been uh, would have been hidden. Even if somebody did indulge in it, it would have been hid to the best of their ability. Now yeah. it seems that yeah. world. But it deals with these what we'll call private sins. These sins have, uh, that, that, that are done uh, not in public, you could say. These sins that uh, are done against the old body. In fact, let me, let me read you a verse of Scripture quickly about these sexual sins. Had, uh, notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Very familiar portion of Scripture. Paul said this, Flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What Paul's saying is this, that every sin is without the body, but fornication, now, I, I'm going to say it delicately, I understand we're in mixed company, but uh, let's just go ahead, Brother Kenny's done emboldening me, talking about how Paul called things by name, well, I'll just go ahead and name it out give you a definition while we're at it. Fornication is, uh, uh, by definition, called fornication is uh, relations. That would normally be between a husband and a wife before marriage. That's fornication. That, Paul said flee fornication. That's interesting to me. I, I, I went down there one day and listened to Noah teach, and I told them teenage boys this, and uh, you might say you're not told that, but it's right and it's Bible, and I'm not apologize for it, but here's what the Bible said. Uh, do you realize this morning the Bible said to resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Do you know that? Yeah. What the Bible said, to resist right. the devil. But it, Paul didn't say resist fornication. Right. He said flee it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? right? There's a difference between resist. 
If Noah went to push me, push me. That's resistant. Yeah. I'm resistant. Push me. We're resisting. We're struggling. I'm trying to keep him from pushing me. And he's trying to keep me from pushing him. Alright? But fleeing is a completely different factor. Yeah. Fleeing would be trying to push me. That's right. What Paul's saying is this. Oh my, you young people are listening right here. What he's saying is, don't try to resist it. Don't try to fight it. Keep yourself away from it. Flee from it. Yeah. Anytime you see an opportunity, leave. Yeah. Get away. Flee. Because the truth is that you have more potential to resist the devil than you do to resist fornication. That's exactly what yeah. man, but that's right. What he's saying is that uh, your flesh is not wired to resist it. Uh, you better flee, flee, flee. Isn't that right? Uh, flee fornication because every sin that a man commits without the body. But fornication, uh, a man sins against his own body. So we find these sexual sins, uh, but they're sins against their own body. What's this? That's chapter 15. You fast forward chapter 17, the chapter after chapter 16. Completely different set of sins that the Lord's dealing with. In chapter Leviticus 17, he deals with public sins. Brother Kenny talked about both these a little bit this morning in Sunday school. These public sins are spiritual sins of the people. Such things as idolatry, putting one, uh, putting an idol or another god before uh, the true God. This idolatry, this unfaithfulness to the Lord. And oh my, right in the middle. Oh, I want to say something about that. While these sexual sins are sins against our body, idolatry and these spiritual sins are a, are a sin against the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, so he deals with both. Sins against us, sins against the Lord. Uh, private sins and public sins. Uh, uh, fleshly, sexual sins uh, and spiritual sins. And right smack dab in the middle of both of them uh, is one of the most beautiful pictures of Calvary you'll ever see in your Old Testament. Uh, you say, preacher, what's so good about that? Well, I've got good news. Whether it's private or whether it's public, Calvary paid it all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Whether it's against me or against the Lord, Calvary paid it all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Whether it's sexual or whether it's spiritual, uh, Calvary paid it all. Why I'm thankful for that, right? Smack down in the middle of all of that is this beautiful picture of Calvary. Now there's also another lesson just quickly by way of introduction we can glean uh, from the position of this chapter. Uh, in chapter 15, he deals with these private sins, sins against our own body. In chapter 17, he deals with these public sins, sins we've already said against the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, boy, that's an interesting picture as well. So I'm going to say this, before we went to Calvary, before we were saved, that we sinned against our sin. Yeah, yeah. All right. After we've been to Calvary, Michelle, he took my sin at Calvary. He died in my stead. He paid my sin debt. Is that right? After we've been saved, after we've been to Calvary, I'm no longer sinning to my account, but I'm sinning against his sacrifice account. Yeah, right. What about that? Oh, my, bogged down a little bit right there. Let me back up and say that again. What I'm saying is this. Before I went to Calvary, 
was adding sins to my account. I was adding curtain reasons and things in my life that ought not be there. Reasons I didn't deserve. I deserved to die and go to hell. But now my sin debt's been paid. I'm not losing my salvation. I'm eternally secure in Christ. But now, Kenny, when I sin, when I fall short, it's not adding sin to my account. But it's spitting in the face of the one that sacrificed and died and bled on my behalf. Because I don't get nervous about being eternally secure. That's not saying we have a free license to sin. We must understand that price was paid. Hey, you understand somebody paid a debt you could not pay? That took your whole life. When you realize somebody did for you what you could not do, that you ought to desire and burn in our heart. That to live right. That old man that couldn't sit this to live right and spit white. That means to live, not to live the way we ought to. But because of the fact he paid our debt, he saved our ever dying souls. We don't have to die and go to hell. Thank God we ought to live right. We have these two chapters before and after. One's against everybody, one's against his. One's private, one's public. One uh, is carnal, one is spiritual. And we have this beautiful picture in chapter 16 of Calvary. Now, with that being said, I want to show you a few things. Now, we've read the first 10 verses and we understand that we come in chapter 16 and the Lord gives instruction for one of the most, one of the most uh, uh, profound and special occasions uh, in all of the Jewish year. He gives them instruction concerning the great day of atonement. The day every year that their sin, it will be atoned for. That their sin will be dealt with every single year. And we read just the first ten verses yet. Realize the Lord spares uh, no detail telling how it's to be done. But I'm interested more in verse 11 for about verse 26. And I want to show you four things this morning. There's more we could say, but these four the Lord's really got on my heart. I want to show you four things uh, uh, that it takes uh, to atone for sin. Uh, atone for the sin of the people. Now, notice for me, if you would, let me read. These first ten verses, the last. Uh, let me read a couple of verses, and I'll show you how the chapter is set up. Now, verse three, the Bible said this: "Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh. Shall be girded with the linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water." And so put them on. He shall take of the congregation of children of Israel three kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Notice verse 6. And Aaron shall offer his bullet of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. Now, notice verse 11. Verse 3 down through verse 6, the Lord gives detail to what Aaron should do. And then in verse 11, he begins by telling what Aaron's going to do. He doesn't go into as much detail, but we'll see this morning a few things in these verses. Notice verse 11 with me quickly. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is, notice this, for himself, and shall make atonement for himself. 
and for his house, and he shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for, notice it now, himself. He shall take take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, his hands full of the sweet incense beaten small, bring it within the veil. He shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he died not. Notice verse 14. He shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Now, you say, preacher, what are you saying? Verse 3 through 6 and 11 through 14, we find out an interesting thing that now this is not, this day is not for Aaron in entirety. It's for the people. The entire congregation of Israel is going to gather together on the great day of atonement for the, for the priests to atone for all their sin. And, but Michelle, before any of that could take place, they something had to be done. And notice from verse 11, three or four times the Bible said, for him, say, for his house. The problem was this. Aaron was a sinner just like everybody else. Yeah. So in order for there to be atonement, the first thing there had to be, there had to be a sinner's priest. Yeah. Before he could ever deal with everybody else's sin, he first had, had to get rid of his own sins. So before he did anything wrong for everybody else, uh, he had to take a bullet for himself. And he had to, uh, had to slay, kill, take the blood from that bullet, and enter into the Holy of Holies, and enter in behind the veil. And the way the Bible said he had to take and dip his fingers in that blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat seven times, seven in the Bible, always a number of perfection and completion. And he had to sprinkle that blood seven times. And even before he could do any of that, he had to. Had washed his, his flesh, had to bathe himself, had changed and put on linen garments, had linen always in your Bible, picture of purity and holiness and cleanliness, had, had to wash himself, had cleanse himself, and well, Mike, you know where I'm about to come under the door, where that would have taken place, had, that would have taken place, that brings and ladder, had a picture of the Word of God, had to wash himself, and cleanse himself, had, Changed and said, changed his garments and help me can he take take that bullet and slay it, slit it, scroll that. Take that, get that blood in into the holy place and sprinkle the blood seven times on the mercy seat. That he laid that one for the tribe of Reuben, that one for the tribe of Gad, that one for the tribe of Manassas, that one for any other tribe. That was for him and his house. That made him worthy. To enter in uh, and the and the sac and the sacrifice uh, and atone for the sins of the people. That's been sinning free. Now he said, preacher, what's so good about that? That's those few things. I'll do my best for her. <coughs> Notice this. Verse 11 through 14, Aaron had to atone for himself first before he could make a sacrifice and mediate for the people. He had to first make atonement for his own sins. Now I want to say this, Christ had to be sentenced. He is, book of Hebrews says he's become our great high priest. He, he's taken on the role that was Aaron's and the high priest in the Old Testament. That in order for him, he had to be a sinless high priest. That in order to be even to offer sacrifice that as the great high priest for the sins of the world. Now what I'm saying is this, Aaron did not deal with his sin after he dealt with the people's. But he had to deal with his sin before he could deal with me. If Christ had not been sinless, he would not have been worthy, Michelle, to offer sacrifice on our behalf. Oh my, 
I love the book of Hebrews. You don't have to agree with me. There's a lot of dispute about it. But I believe all my heart, Paul wrote it. If you ask me after a while, I'll tell you a few reasons why I think he's in that. It just came to me. It just sounds like something Paul yeah. wrote. Yeah. Especially when you go over chapter 13. He's closing out the letter. And he said, I wrote you in a few words. 13 chapters. And Paul said, I wrote you in a few words. Yeah. Hey, what a Baptist preacher. I don't know who was. Uh, now, I want to say a few things about the book of Hebrews. Paul, the book of Hebrews theme uh, is Christ is back. You'll see it time and time and time. And Paul, about chapter 5, starts an idea about the high priest, about Aaron. And, and it goes, he, chapter 5 and 6, he deals with Aaron, the Levitical high priest, and makes the argument, Michelle, how the Christ is better than Aaron. And then he makes the argument, starting chapter 7, how that Christ is not after the Levitical priesthood, but rather after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, how Melchizedek is better than Aaron. And Melchizedek had no father, no mother. It was not the idea that he had no father or mother, but it is priesthood was not dependent upon the lineage. Had no beginning nor ending that in the life. Not of course he had a birth or a death, but the idea is wrong that the Levitical priesthood could not begin their ministry until the age of 30. They only had a set amount of years they could serve until they'd have to be replaced. They had a beginning and an end of ministry, but not Melchizedek. He, he had no beginning had no end of life. He served as long as he was alive. And oh, so he has, makes the idea how that Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. Then he gets tells how Christ is better than Melchizedek. Oh my. Oh my. Christ is better. Time and time and time again. Yeah. Notice this. I want to show you a portion of scripture out of that. If you want to turn, you can. Not, I'll read it to you quickly. This idea through this chapter, these chapters of the book of Hebrews about the priesthood of Christ. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 24. Paul's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he said. But this man. Let me turn over and read it to you. Let me read it out of my Bible instead of my notes. Hebrews chapter 7. I might read you a few more verses. Hebrews chapter 7. Paul's dealing with Melchizedek. Verse 1 on down through verse number 10. He's talking about uh, all that Melchizedek did. Then in verse 11 through verse 22, uh, he's talking about uh, how that, verse 11, down through verse 22, he's talking about how Melchizedek uh, is a higher order than that of the Levitical priesthood. Then in verse 23, notice this, watch this, verse 23, and they, talking about the Melchizedek and the Levitical priests, they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Here's what he's saying. Paul's writer of Hebrews said there's been many priests because they either come to the end of life or they die. Even Melchizedek, who had no beginning nor end of life as far as the ministry, eventually died. Yeah. All right. Verse 24. But Anytime you see that in your Bible, you better pay attention. Yeah. Anytime verse starts out with the word bust, it's getting ready. Everything's getting ready to change. Notice this. But this man, oh my Christ. Because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. What about that? Paul said, This man, he said, Aaron died, and the sons of Aaron died, and his descendants.
descendants died and Melchizedek died and every priest has died. But this man, because he abided forever, has an unthinkable, see what I'm saying? Christ is better. He's better than Aaron. He burned the sons of Aaron. He burned Melchizedek. He's better. He's better. He's better. What is this man? Because, verse 24, because he came forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Verse 25, boy, I like this. Wherefore, because he abided forever, he is able also to save them the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Oh my. I don't have time getting all that. Notice verse 26. For such an high priest, watch this little phrase, became us who is, watch, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Verse 27. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, watch now, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Oh my, that's beautiful. Verse 28. For the Lord maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was sent to the law maketh the Son who was consecrated forevermore. Oh my, I don't have time to unpack all that, but I'd love to. What Paul's saying is this. He's better than Aaron. He's better than the sons of Aaron. He's better than Melchizedek. He liveth forever. He does not change. He, he abideth forever. Because of that, he's able to save them to the other modes that come to God by him. See, he ever lived my intercession. What am I talking about? Oh my. I heard a message one time. I can't preached it. I think it's on sermon audio. If it is, y'all go listen to it. Whoever preached, I can't remember who it was. Might have been Buster Seat, but I might be wrong about that. But he preached a message wrong. The title of it was this Hush. Oh, Lord's praying. Oh my. Beautiful. One of the best messages I've ever heard. You realize right now in heaven he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Those that are saved by his grace, those that came to God by him. You realize right now this very moment uh, he's praying on behalf of every one of us that are saved by his marvelous grace that uh, interceding on our behalf. Uh, what a joy, what a joy. No wonder we have. he saves us to the uttermost. He ever liveth to make intercession. Watch this, i got to hurry. Verse 28, verse 27. Who missed not that his own high priest offered up sacrifice first for both sins, then for the people for this he did once, but he offered up himself verse 26. By this he's holy, harmless, undefined, separate from sinners, and made higher than them. Paul, make sure we know verse 26 that he is holy, he's sinless, he's undefiled. He's consecrated that. He is unlike any other man. Paul well, make sure to let us know that. He lets us know because of that we be saved in the uttermost. That. He lets us know that because of that, Michelle, he did not have to offer sacrifice for himself like Aaron did on the great day of atonement uh, before he offered for us. Uh, but he did it at once. The Bible said offered one sacrifice uh, when he offered up and said, what a difference, what a difference. Uh, Aaron had to offer for himself. Christ offered yeah. himself. Verse 28. For all maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of oath which is sent to the law maketh the Son, listen to this, who is consecrated forevermore. You can't tell me that's not Paul writing. Here's what he said. 
Okay, 7 verse, what is it, 26, is that right? Tells us his holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. And then in verse 28, he stops by this almost little afterthought and said, by the way, that's what he was, but he still is consecrated. Is that right? He's still, he's still set apart. Uh, he's still holy. He's still undefined. Uh, he's still separate from sinners. Uh, he's still made higher in the heavens. Uh, oh, my, that word consecrated literally means to set apart. That uh, holy, set apart clean. Uh, what he's saying is this. Uh, it not just is he now, but Paul said he evermore is consecrated. Uh, there'll never be a time that he's sinful at all. What a joy. No wonder he's better than I am. Right. There he first had to make sacrifice for himself. Christ was our sinless high priest. Had been sinless priest. I said this, those are had been sinless priest, there had to be a sacrifice provided. Go on back to Leviticus 16. Leviticus 16. Had been sinless priest. Had been one able to enter into the presence of God. Make intercession for the people. Had to be one that was holy, set apart, clean. Able to enter in. Aaron fulfilled that by sacrificing for himself. And the next year, right there Pullman, Aaron had to sacrifice for himself again. But Christ offered one sacrifice that eternally atoned for the sin of my, my water Savior. Had been sacrifice provided. No such about in verse 15. The Bible said then. That's interesting. I know that's a common word, but I'm going to make a statement right there. That word then carries the idea, Michelle, of then and only then. Verse 11 through 14 had to be fulfilled before verse 15. He had to offer sacrifice for himself before verse 15 could ever take place. Then and only then could he do, could he have this sacrifice provided. What's this? I got to hurry. What's what your Bible said? Verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. Bring his blood within the veil. Do it with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and spring upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. We really ought to read the entire book of Hebrews. It talks about that too. Paul makes an argument how the heavenly tabernacle is better than the earthly because it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be cleansed. It was cleaned already. And because of their transgressions and all their sins, so shall they do for the tabernacle of the congregation. There remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Verse 17, And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make atonement of the holy place until he come out. And hath made atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. He shall go out of the altar before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullet and the blood of the goat and put on the horns of the altar and right about. He shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his fingers seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. All right, let me say a few things about this sacrifice provided. Now, I want to give you an idea of what's happening here in the text. Let me see. I need Andrew, come here. Uh, Colton, come here. Let's see. Aaron, you come here. I'm not doing that. All right. Now you're gonna be you're gonna be um, the sacrifice. You're gonna be the scapegoat. You're gonna be the victim. Okay? Y'all sit down there just a minute. Remember what you're gonna be. Alright, now Aaron first 
had to make atonement for himself, had to cover his own sins. Then he had to start thinking about how he was going to atone for his people. Hey, he atoned for his own sin with a bullet from Michael. But now he has to take a goat. Now, the first 10 verses we read told us they had to take two goats. I'm going to show you what he did with those. So, Aaron and Colton, you come here. He'd get these two goats and he'd bring them to himself. What he'd do is he'd come take those goats before the Lord. And they'd cast lots. Now, don't get nervous about that. We dealt the other night about dispensations. God revealed himself to man in different ways at different times. For the Old Testament, they cast lots. We don't need to cast lots to find the will of God. We have a perfect copy of the word of God. Isn't that right? But he cast lots. He also, I say this, he also used in the Old Testament, the priest used what was called the Urim and the Thummim. We'll talk about that one day if the Lord will let us. But that was used to discern the will of God. But here in our text, he cast lots. Two goats. One of them's going to be the sacrifice. It's going to be accurate. That's the one that the Lord chose for himself. Right? The other one going to be the scapegoat. We'll talk about that in a minute. You've probably heard somebody say they just treat me like a scapegoat. I'm going to tell you where that comes from. It comes right out of your King James Bible. And I'll show you, I'll show you why here in a minute. Had to be two goats. Now here's what he'd do. You're, you're going to be the scapegoat, so you sit down this minute. He'd take, bend over a minute. He'd take and he'd put that goat head between his legs. He'd hold his head up like this. He'd pull out his knife and he'd slit his throat. And he'd reach up old that and catch his blood. And he'd catch the blood of that goat. And he'd take that blood, Wayne, he'd enter into the holy place. He's been cleansed. He's able to go in. He's dressed right. Everybody else gets out of the tabernacle. No other priest can be there. Only the high priest on this day. And he enters into the holy place, the holy of holies. And he takes that blood and he sprinkles it on the mercy seat. Just like, oh my, just like he did for himself. Alright? Then he goes out and he takes that, he takes that goat. Remember when you come into the tabernacle, remember when we talked about the tabernacle several years ago? The outer court of the first piece of furniture you come to is that brazen altar. Right. That altar of fire. We talked about how it's a picture of Calvary. He takes the body of that goat, Michelle, and he picks it up and he lays it on that altar. There the sacrifice is made. Blood's placed on the mercy seat. Oh, stand right there. Show you a picture of that. Remember when Moses come in off the mountain, children of Israel melted their earrings and made that golden calf. He fell on the mountain, the Lord gave the Ten Commandments. The Bible said the rope was the very finger of God. Remember what he did? Moses in his anger threw down those tablets and broke the law of God. Inside that mercy seat, inside that ark of covenant, mercy seat placed on top. Inside that mercy seat, the ark of covenant, a few things in there. There's a lot of man. There's Aaron's rocket bucket and the broken tablets. Remember all through the Old Testament that times somebody lit the mercy seat, looked down at the broken law of God and God killed him. Right? What's this? Man broke the law of God. Placed inside the ark of God. God placed the mercy seat. Man could not, God, man could not reveal that man had broken the law of God. God could not look. That man had broken his law, had not sinned judgment. 
with that blood having been applied to the mercy seat. Oh my, you know why tonight I'm standing before God and enter into his presence. Him not see me a sinner to condemn unclean because where I failed and broke the law of God. Christ took and applied the blood to the mercy yes. seat. I'm not concerned with good. And now he sees the blood. Not my transgression, not my failures, not my fault. He doesn't see where I broke his law. But he sees the shed blood. It's a barrier, the mercy of God. And the blood forms a barrier between my transgression and the judgment of God. There yeah, yeah. and he sprinkles that blood on the mercy seat. Then that, that's the blood that's going to atone for the, for the sins of the people. But then he takes that goat place on the altar. And that, that, that goat has to be burned. Has to be sacrificed. Has to be consumed toward the Lord. That smoke wafted up showing the price that was paid for sin. That's the sacrifice. There had to be, in order for there to be atonement for sin, there had to be a sinless priest. There had to be a sacrifice that was provided. Alright? Blood had to be shed. The law had been broke. There had to be blood shed. You'll find that all the way back in Genesis 3 where Adam made sin in the garden. The very first mention of sin, you'll find the very first mention of atonement, but you'll find that with sin there always had to be blood shed. The Bible says that children sin with fig leaves and jaw made on made on coats of skin. You can't skin an animal without blood being shed. Blood was shed because they sinned that after the shed of blood there is no remission. There has to be a shed of blood. There had to be a sacrifice to provide it. Somebody, something or somebody had to die in their stead. Now you say, preacher, what could that be? Christ is our great high priest. Well, I've got good news. He's our great high priest, but he's also our sacrifice. Remember when, he, when John was baptized in the river and he lifted up his voice and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He is our sacrifice, holy, spotless, and unblemished. Not only that great high priest, but he's also our sacrifice. We read him on goat Hebrews 7 that he offered himself. Aaron took that goat off into the Lord. Christ didn't take the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and turtle doves and pigeons. Uh, but he offered himself to the Lord uh, spotless and holy and unblemished. Uh, he is our sacrifice. Right. You sit down this man. Watch this. Say a few things I hurry. Christ provided himself our sacrifice. He shed his blood so that our sin debt could be paid. Now was verse 20. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Two goats, remember? One's been killed, one's alive. Watch this, let me show you. Here we go. Goat go escape go. Now one goat's died. Blood's been sprinkled on the on the on the mercy seat. It's been offered to the Lord. But there's still this problem of sin. Oh my, something's got to be done for it. Them sins got to be dealt with. So he takes this scapegoat. I'm going to show you why people say, if you've heard somebody say, they just treat me like a scapegoat. I'm going to show you why. He'd take a scapegoat that by all rights could have been a sacrifice. Be a sacrifice that had to be without spot, without blemish. 
All right? Evidently, Kirk, it was just as good as the sacrifice because they had to cast lots to find out which one God wanted to sacrifice. So evidently, right, either one of them could have been the sacrifice. So this goat is holy and unblemished and without spot as other ones. Aaron, take his scapegoat, and he he put his put its put straight like just like he did the other one. But instead of pulling this one up and slitting his throat, he put both hands on it. The Bible said he confess the sins of the people. What he was doing, Michelle, in ceremony was taking the sins of the people, putting it on that scapegoat. That was spotless and without blemish and without blame. And he's putting the sins of the people on this scapegoat. Yeah. Is that right? right. Stay right there. Let me read it to you. See what I'm saying. Verse 21. Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions and all their sins. Watch this. Putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send them away by the hand of a fit man in the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities into the land not inhabited. And he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. So it was not enough for blood to be shed. That that brought forth remission. But those sins are still there. They're right. They've got to be done away with. So Aaron puts his hands on this scapegoat. Takes the sins of all the people. Puts it on this goat. Oh my, isn't that beautiful? Then, come here a minute, Andrew. Then we're introduced. I'll get to it in a minute, but I'm going to let go ahead and show you the picture. Then we're introduced to the fit man who's going to lead that scapegoat bearing the sins of the people on his head into a land not inhabited. Can I, can I, can I say something? Christ is our sinless priest. Yeah. He is our sacrifice that was provided. Right. But he's also our scapegoat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bible said he that knew no sin became sin for us. Right. Not that he became a sinner, but he became sin. Yeah. That goat, that scapegoat did not sin, but he took on himself the sin of the people. Oh my. Every reproach and every judgment and every every fault that God had toward the sin of the people. Now can he have been relieved from all of the people placed on that scapegoat? Right. Now, Ronald, their sin is on his head. God now pour out his judgment on the scapegoat, not on them. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't deserve it. He didn't do anything to warrant it. But now their sin has been placed on him. He's going to endure the wrath of God. My, my, my. What Christ did for me, Catherine. Right. He took my, oh my, you know why I don't have to go to hell because I, I, my sin is not on me. When he looks at me now, he does not see my sin. It's not only been atoned for, but it's been done away with. Uh, it's gone. It's gone. It's no longer on me. Uh, uh, now we understand there's a difference between a positional truth and practical truth. Uh, practically, Kenny, uh, I fall short every day. Practically, I still live in this flesh. Uh, Practically, we all sin comes from the Lord God. But positionally, 
in Christ. He does not see my sin. It's already been took over in Christ. He's endured the judgment already. You'll never find anywhere in your Bible where we'll ever stand before God as a saved child of God and give an account of our sin. It's already been dealt with. It's already been judged. At Calvary, God poured out his wrath on his son. He endured it in our body. I told him when I heard the ark, I told him I said the ark's a beautiful picture. And time for Christ, God poured a rain down his judgment on the earth. But he takes Noah and his family, puts them in the ark. You know where I'm I'm in Christ. And he pitches it within and without with pitch. And oh my could gets it waterproof. That was not just so that they couldn't get out. But it was so that couldn't get in. And he puts them in the ark. And he rains down judgment upon the earth. And the ark is tossed to and fro. The ark is beaten and battered. But the ark faces the judgment of God. And knowing his hand is safe and dry and warm because there in the ark. I don't know how to explain it, but I know it's true. Yeah. When I got saved, I got baptized in the body of Christ. And at Calvary, my sin was judged. And God poured out his wrath on man and the sin of man. Of course, I didn't feel it. I didn't endure it. I was in Christ. And while his body, in his own body, he faced the wrath of God. I never faced it because I'm in him. Isn't that beautiful? He is mine. He is mine. Let's get go. He took my sin and paid my sin dead. He's my, he's my priest. He's my sacrifice. And thank God he's my scapegoat. In my sin's been placed on him. He faced the wrath of God so that I wouldn't have to. There's one more thing we're going to have to have. We're going to have atonement this morning. We're going to have to have a sinless priest. We're going to have to have a sacrifice provided. We're going to have, a, have to have, have a scapegoat that's prepared. But I'm going to say this. We're going to have to have a suitable person. And that creates a problem. The sin of that of the people is now on that scapegoat. He can't just go home with somebody. God's going to pour his wrath out on him. Can't have him in camp. All right? If the sin is still in the camp, they're still going to endure the wrath of God. That sin's got to be done away with. So we find the mention of a fit man. Only one time mentioned in the Bible. Here, the verse 16, all the time, all the scriptures on this phrase, fit man, is mentioned. Now, you probably come up with a smarter, more theological answer for that than what I'm going to give you, but I'll tell you the reason why I think that is. Only one man fit enough to deal with, deal with our sin. Yeah. All right. That's a fit man. He's going to take and lead this scapegoat to a land like that. This fit man now is going to take his scapegoat who's got the sins of the people on his head. He's going to take him outside the camp. He's going to let him go. Never to be seen again. Yes. All right. Oh my, let me show you quickly. Watch this. Y'all want to stand up there just Look at verse 21. The Bible said, Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the go and confess over him all the nations of the children of Israel. All their transgressions and all their sins, putting him upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Verse 22 And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities in the land not inhabited, 
and he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. Watch verse 23. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the oh oh hang on a minute. Let me show you. Y'all gonna walk with me. Y'all don't get to nothing. I'm trusting you, all right? Walk right back here. Walk back here to the water cooler. Sand's been placed on the scapegoat. The fifth man's carried him away. He came to the wilderness, laying on hand. And watch this. While they're gone, watch what Aaron does. Watch verse 23. Boys, you pay attention. I'm going to tell you what to do here in a minute. Verse 23. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments. Which he put on when he went to the holy place and shall leave them there. He shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place. Put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering, the burnt offering for the people. Make atonement for himself for the people. And the fat of the sin offering shall he burn upon the altar. Watch verse 26. Oh my. And he that let go the goat for the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water. And afterward come back, come into the camp. So this fit man, he goes out, he takes that goat. Got the sense of people on it, fit man. The scapegoat's got the sense of people. Fit man takes him away to land on habit. Well, when he gets out there, he lets that scapegoat go. And the Bible said that he washes his clothes. And he washes his flesh. Because he's been around sin. Alright? He's got to come back. Got to come back holy. Undefiled. Separate from sin. So he lets that scapegoat go. And he, while he's doing that, Aaron's changing his garments, washing his flesh. They've been around sin, made them contaminated. Then the second man going to come back. Come on back, Andrew. Just Andrew. Go slow. Stop it there. You tell you what happened. When they, that fifth man would go out, they'd send Michelle sentinels up in the heat. They'd be watching. Yeah. Aaron be standing. All the congregation be standing before sitting before Aaron, standing before Aaron. Aaron be standing at the gate at the at the east gate of the tabernacle. And he'd be looking down the where the fifth man left. And he's awake or something. And boy, my, I'm about to come up and look. And they'd be sentinels set up in the hill. That fifth man would start his journey back. And, what happened is this, Tracy, the one over here, that this first signal, he'd see that fifth man coming. Well, my, by the way, the scapegoat's not missing. Hey, the sin of people's been done away with. Yeah. Hey, it's long gone, never to be seen again. And that signal would send a signal to the next one. Hey, and he'd get the signal, send ahead, send ahead, and send ahead, send ahead, send ahead, until finally the only word would come down. They'd try and see now somebody'd run up and they'd whisper in Aaron's ear and he'd nod his head and he'd stand back, he'd get the attention of the people, and he'd lift his hands up and make a proclamation. And he'd say, I see it, I go. The people would rejoice. While they're rejoicing, oh my. While they're rejoicing, that fit man made his way back. Now get the picture, stay with me. Here comes a fit man. The people's rejoicing when their sins are gone. And here comes a fit man. He's washed himself. He's changed his clothes, washed his clothes, washed himself. He's coming back completely untouched by sin. Now Rome is complete. 
Word's already got back to the camp of Israel. Aaron's already let them know that, listen, our sins are gone. They're done away with. Now, they're going to have to deal with it again next year. We'll talk about that in a minute. But their, their sins are gone. And the fit man's coming back. Guess what? He's holding all of them under fire, separate from sinners. He's washed himself. He's, he's the only one that can take sin away and help him. He's the only one that can take sin without the camp and come back and not bring it back with him. He's, he's dead with sin, yet he's coming back sinless and under fire and harmless. Y'all ain't getting that right. I heard it. Yeah. What I'm saying is this when he comes back, when he walks into the camp, he walks in the Aaron with his arms raised up. The people rejoicing because their sin's gone. I will make a statement. You sit down here. Christ is our priest. He's our sacrifice. He's our scapegoat. I also thought about that he's our yeah. He's the only one that can go away with yeah. and not be touched And when he comes back, he's still going to be holy. And without spot, without blame, yeah. separate from sin, under fire, constant. What a day. Now, I want you to get the picture. Now, I'm quick. What day, if you're saved this morning, you already know, it's already been proclaimed, our sins are gone. We are to be rejoicing before the fit man ever gets back. Yeah. But what a day, Ron, that's going to be when the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those of us who are alive and may be caught up together. And we will So, what a day, shall we see him face to face? That was our sacrifice, our priest, our scapegoat, our fit man. When he comes again, still holding, harmless, undefiled, separate from sin. What a day that's going to be to realize. Are you with me? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? These people here in Leviticus 16, Leon, they shout and they rejoice, and their sin was only dealt with for a year. One year. Next year, we're going to go through the whole thing all over again. In the tabernacle. Nowhere in the tabernacle. Of all seven pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. Not a chair inside. Never time the priest sit down. Always sacrifice. Always something different. Look, look, it fit why Christ is better. He offered the sacrifice once. Yeah. And sat down on the rock. No need to make sacrifices. Yeah. One day it's going to be gone we finally see him and realize, oh my, our minds cannot even comprehend when we realize it, that we're not just saved for the kids talking about 50 years, how long that's went by, maybe even if he lived another 50 years, how fast that would go away. How do you realize it's not just for 100 years? It's not just for 70 or 80 or 90 or 60, whatever number you want to throw out, but it's eternal life. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. Come upon to you, my priest. He ever lives, make intercession for 
victory or that. He is our sacrifice. That's what you know. You're not redeemed with broken things of silver and gold. How about the main conversation you talk about? How the precious blood of Christ. I tell you, He is our sacrifice. He is our scapegoat. He will see it. How the king seen for us and we might become the righteousness of God. And He is our fit man, the one. How that no way would I see it. Carried it from land, not in hand. I'm glad, thank God, he's soon coming back. And when he comes back, I'm going to find me rejoicing and excited that my sins are gone. Right. Yeah. The musicians, they would. Come play songs. Your head better than I could. Just for a moment. I don't know.